Welcome to the Wednesday night shir, the weekly Wednesday night shir. Dedication tonight was asked for a menuchas hanefesh before shalema to Tinik ben Zelda and Tinik ben Rezerasha. And also that uh, Rasha and uh, Zelda Basmalka should have also Menuchas HaNefesh, Refuas and Yeshuas. Pashas Shemais, we begin now to embark upon the new Chumash, Seder Shemais. Spoken many times, Yehudah Shemais, B'nai Yisrael, Abayi Mitzrayma, the Refuah, coming before the Makkah, the Refuah being the Geula, the Redemption. Shmeis <clears throat> B'nai Yisrael Habayim is an acronym for the word Shivya, which is captivity. If you go back to the archives of Shmeis, you'll hear excuse me, the breakdown of how within the Pasuk itself The solutions to the ultimate redemption are mentioned starting with Shemais, the Jews keeping their own name, Eis, Yaakov, Ish, etc., etc. Until finally, Bo'u, Bo'u, Gematria, Beged. That they kept their own garb, etc. Interesting, ironically, the Pasuk the Chumash is called the Book of Shemais, is referred to as the Book of Exodus. But yet, in essence, the Book is referred to as the Book of Geula, Redemption. So where is the English translation? has within it the concept of exile it is the exodus the going out of the land of Egypt and not only the land of, land of Egypt but the land of Mitzrayim Mitzrayim is a word an acronym or actually not an acronym but rather a phrase of Mitzorim <coughs> the word Mitzorim Mitzorim referring to Mitzorim Mugvulim boundaries the boundaries, the restraints within which, with, which a, with which a person a Jewish person the confines with which a Jewish person restricts or finds restriction and is limited to when it comes to Torah and Mitzvahs, Mitzrayim represents just that subjectivity, represents that concept of exile, and therefore, Yitzias Mitzrayim, going out of Egypt, 
the leaving of the exodus of Egypt was the exodus of all exoduses, is in essence the beginning of the ultimate redemption. A very, very rich parsha. Beginning with the story of Vayamas Yosef, the passing of Yosef and Yosef Atzadik passes in Parei, the new Parei, whether it be a actual new person, and just referring to the Pharaoh of the Egypt, or whether it be a new Parei, a total new attitude towards the Jews and the Jewish nation. A decree, Kolaben, all the boys that are born should be tossed into the river. And all the daughters should be left alive. Now, ironically, The Pasik does not tell us the story. The s- sequence that led to the ultimate decree. The Medrash has to tell it to us. And the Medrash tells us Pare was extremely dependent on his stargazers. Everything he did, every move that he made, he relied totally on his stargazers. And they would see and they would look, and what they would tell him is what he would do. And the stargazers were the ones that warned him that the Jews that he has been oppressing for all these years will have a Redeemer. The Redeemer will be born, and the Redeemer will take them out of Egypt. But, Hare did not suffice with that. Hare was not happy with just that advice. He wanted to know, how do I overcome this Redeemer? How do I conquer Him? What are His weaknesses? And the stargazers tell him that this Redeemer, the downfall of this very Redeemer, will be through water. Let us understand, although a stargazer was able to get a vision, have a vision, and grasp a certain futuristic behavior or happening there was always something vague there was always something there that did not 100% click similar to 
Hiroshima and Nagasaki. After the bombing of the first of the two cities, the Japanese sent a message to the Americans saying they wanted peace. But they didn't write it in Yiddish. There was a symbol in Japanese that they sent that was the symbol for peace. This symbol was intercepted. It was intercepted and was altered. And the alteration that was made changed it from peace to war. And therefore the second city, the second atom bomb, was dropped. And again, the repercussions we all know in history of the horrific, horrific Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. When the stargazers saw that Moshe's, that the Savior's downfall would come through water, they could not interpret what exactly that would mean. They did not see exactly the Meimer River, which ultimately caused Moshe to not go into the Holy Land of Israel by striking the stone instead of talking to it. And therefore their interpretation of the downfall being through water was that he would drown and that he could be drowned. So Pari immediately made a decree. Nobody on you. That all the, ch- the first, the boys, all born boys, should be thrown into the river to drown. The Nilos itself is also considered an Avedizara in Egypt. And therefore, they felt that this would be their savior. By them falling, by putting their child into the water, the Egyptians would be saved from the savior of the Jews. However, the wording is very interesting. Pari wanted to destroy the Jewish male children because they knew, he knew the Savior was a male. All he would have to say is, Any boy that's born should be thrown into the river. Why complete And every girl should be let to live, allowed to live. The decree was only on the boys, not on the daughters. But when referring to the decree, it mentions the girls as well. In that case, since it's a mentioning a decree and bringing the words of the girl in, in as well, there must have been a decree on the girls as well. Pare said, yes, I want the girls to live. 
But I want them to be educated like proper Egyptian girls. And by living the Egyptian life, I want their bodies to live, but their neshama to die. Their Jewish soul, their pintlayid, he wanted to extinguish. And this was therefore the decree, an even more severe decree on the girls than on the boys. And that's why the decree is mentioned together with the decree on the boys. Because although the boys was a physical death, on the girls it was a spiritual one. And just like throwing the boys into the Nilus, into the river which was the Avedizara, the idol worship of the Egyptians, so that would be the physical death of the boys and the physical death and the spiritual death of the girls. But we find an interesting happening. Little baby Moshe is born. But he's not little baby Moshe. <laughs> because if we look at the history, if we look at the sequence of the Pasuk, the Pasuk tells us that Yecheved had baby Moshe, had the baby as a preemie. And whereas the Egyptians were monitoring the birth of the children, they waited for the ninth month till they came to look if it was a boy or a girl. And in the ninth month when they saw it was a boy, they took the child. If it was a girl, they left the child. Or they took the child to teach the child the Egyptian way. But here, we heard that in uh, Atlanta, the uh, lottery was won. One of the winners was in Atlanta, Georgia. So we figured when Atlanta, Georgia didn't sign on to the Skype share, we figured, um, I guess they must have won and that's it, they're not talking to us any longer. Now that you're here, we're now going to start wondering. <laughs> Maybe you didn't win. Well, I'm sure the IRS will find out fast enough. <laughs> Not by the taxes, by having one less employee. Rabbi Hecht will find himself a Chavrusa full time. Okay. <laughs> this Torah tells us. That baby Moshe is put in a basket which his mother has been preparing for three months time. Because he was born at six months and he was able to stay home for three. And in the, thir- in the ninth month, at the end of the ninth month, she puts him in the, in the Nilus to float in this waterproof, beautiful Cadillac of a, uh, of a bassinet. Waterproofed by Timberlands, with tar, etc. And then the Torah tells us a story. Vatered baspare lirchitz al hayaer. 
The daughter of Pare went down to wash herself, to bathe in the river. For those keeping score at home, the Gemara Mesechta Seita, Daf Yud Beis, in the beginning of the second side. She went down to wash herself off, to cleanse herself from the impurities of the idol-worshipping that her father had done. In other words, she went to be Megayer. She went to convert. She was going to the Mikveh. In the Tzav Mespaneach, of the Ragechave, he explains that the Nilas, as we said before, was the Avedazara of Egypt. And she went down there, sorry? To elevate it. By tabling and becoming a Giyaris in the Nilos, she was going to elevate the water. In Shmei Rabbah, it tells us, the Medrash says, as soon as Moshe was put into the water, the stargazers got a text. You see, don't think that you start a text only now. The stargazers got a text that what? Mushlach Mashian Bimayim. That's it. We found him. That Savior that we were watching out for, that we had a, an amber alert, <coughs> was already thrown into the water. And therefore, immediately, Botlo Exeter, the decree was nullified. After baby Moshe, nobody was thrown into the river. We have to tie these two things together. The decree, as we said, of the child, the boys being thrown into the river, because they got, Pare did not only want to destroy the Jewish boys physically, but their souls as well by putting them into the Avedizara of Egypt. To drown them, to become totally enveloped with the Egyptian. Idolatry. However, when the Savior of the Jews was born, and the Savior of the Jews known as the Raya Mehemna, which is a Raya Mehemna, a true shepherd, this shepherd that supports and that takes care of and that nurtures his nation, and gives them emuna, and gives them strength, gives them belief in God, gives them faith. Once he went into the Avedizar already, he was already officially entrenched, then the decree became nullified. <laughs> because it was impossible for Pare. There you go. To get the Jews anymore into Avedizarach HaSashon. Because Meshe Rabbeinu was going to strengthen them. 
until it would be impossible to believe in Avedah Zarah. So the nullification of Avedah Zarah, just like Pari wanted the boys to be thrown into the water to make them part of the water, to make them entrenched with Avedah Zarah, so too, when the Mashiach and Shei Yisrael went into the water, he elevated the water, as did Baspare, with her intention to go into the water, to elevate the water. And this is our mission. Our mission is to reach out, and to leave no Jew floating in a water. You're missing. We just got fresh baked cookies out of the oven here. They're part of a challah baking program for tomorrow, but... Are they good? They are. Uh, I made the recipe. <coughs> All for myself. I'll take something to go to. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's cold. It was a chassid. Or prior to that, actually. When the Altarebbe was on the run from Napoleon... The entourage we once spoke has 60 wagons to it. In one of the wagons was the Alter Rebbe's son, the Mitwa Rebbe. Now, when you're running and it's Bekuach Nefesh, there's many different things that we overlook. However, one day, the Mitla Rebbe was fasting. The Alter Rebbe inquired, why are you fasting? He was fasting a tiny scholem. He had a bad dream. Not necessarily a bad dream, but a dream that shook him up. And he had to fast. Tainus Cholom is very severe, by the way. A dream that affects a person so much so that the person feels he has to fast, according to most opinions, even on Shabbos you're allowed to fast. <laughs> My mother, Shalom, had a very interesting uh, approach to bad dreams. Took it, I guess, back from Europe. That they would wish the bad dream on a on a guy. To go elsewhere, to not go to any Jew. <laughs> she would, if she had a bad dream, she would call up the operator. And she would ask, are you Jewish? The operator would say no. She would say in Yiddish, she go on you. <laughs> <laughs> an interesting, an interesting uh, way of thought, <laughs> train of thought. 
The Altarebbe asked Mitlerebbe, what happened? What did you see already? Mitlerebbe said, I was standing by a very large river, a raging river. And he was standing by the raging river and he saw he described three people. One had a swollen leg, one was very red, and the third was the Altarebbe. And there was like a a log in the water. Long tree stumper. And the first person, he's not sure who he was, the red person, he started to walk out on his log, but didn't get very far. He came back. The second one with the limp started to go out, and again he came back. He couldn't go too far. The third one, the Altarebbe himself, walked out and walked till the end and came back without any problems. And this shocked him. He didn't understand what this is all about. The Altareb explained to him that the person that he saw, the red beard, was the Balshemtov, and the one that was limping was the Mazinshamagid, his Altareb's teacher, and the student disciple of the of the Balshemtov, and then he himself was the third one, of course. Walking on rocky waters, they were not able to go too far because they only dealt with tzaddikim. They only dealt with righteous people. I, says the Alter Rebbe in turn, dealt with both Balichuva and tzaddikim. People that needed to repent, or people that were still repenting, or people that were thinking of repenting, or people that I can make repent. And I also dealt with the righteous. Therefore, I was able to walk out across the rock. There's a Chassid Bensian Raider from England who had uh, business dealings in the United States. He's from England, actually, but he used to have business dealings here in America. One of the places he had a dealing with was in Detroit. He arrived in Detroit, Michigan once from England. He had an exhausting flight, obviously. This is uh, days before travel was ex- up to date like it is today. And I'm sure the planes were not the same either, for those who remember. And he was tired. He went to, Mincha- he went to his host, and his host took him to Minchemayrev. 
And he figured he'd get a good night's sleep, and tomorrow he could start his day by rechting your tongue. His host had a few friends that came to meet Rabbi Rader, and they decided to fabreng a little bit. Well, Chassidosh Fabrengen is very powerful. And Chassidosh Fabrengen in a room with no windows, or even with windows, can sometimes go till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning without even realizing. Well, it was 1.30 in the morning, there was one particular fellow that was really getting into Rabbi Rader's kishkes. Asking questions involved in questions and questions. And then finally he got into the subject of tefillin. Why are they black? Why are they square? Why are they dead? Are they on? So Rabbi Rader says, did you put on tefillin? He says, no. Would you like to put on tefillin? He says, maybe. If I meet you tomorrow, will you put on tefillin? He says, well, I'll tell you the truth. It's 1.30 now in the morning. At 2 o'clock, i got to get to work. I'm a baker in a bakery. At 6.30 till 7 o'clock in the morning, we have a break. Come to the bakery at 6.30, I'll put on tefillin. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's Rabbi Rader, jet-lagged, exhausted, wiped out, but... You can't refuse. Can't refuse. So Rabbi Rader was up in the morning at six o'clock, and he was in that bakery by six thirty. And lo and behold, the baker said, "Oh, you did it! You came! Great!" Took the tefillin. He made the bracha himself. He put on the tefillin himself. He davened. <laughs> Rader was looking at this fellow. Wow. You know, I put tefillin. And the guy says, I'll tell you the truth. He says, I haven't put on tefillin in 20 years. But before that, I put on every day. I got whatever, turned up the tefillin, my tefillin are gone. Shabarita said, if, I, if you had your own tefillin, you know, I'm at a point now in my life, if I had my own tefillin, I would probably put on again every day. Okay, Shabarita said, listen, I have these business dealings already here for the few hours today. Uh, whatever he had yesterday, the business dealings he needed to take care of. I'm leaving already Detroit. I have to be here for the day. I'm going back now to London. I'll be back in Detroit in six weeks. In the course of the six weeks, I'll see to secure you a pair of twill and I'll bring you back twill. <laughs> Guy says, no problem. 20 years I waited. I'll wait six more weeks. Nope. Rabbi Rader went to New York on the way home. They stopped off. The flight was in New York and then to London. And he got to Shachris by the Rebbe. And after Shachris, he sat down and wrote a letter to the Rebbe that he was in Detroit and that he's traveling back to London. And that they're having a family reunion this Shabbos. It was Thursday. And this whole family is coming together, Kinahara. They hasn't seen them in so long. Everybody together for Shabbos. And Rabbi Rader was really excited about it. <clears throat> and he also wrote to the Rebbe about this fellow, the baker that he went to, he put on film with him, and the guy said he's going to put on film every day, he gets some film, and in six weeks from now he's going to be back from the train, he's going to give him film. Alright. Rabbi Rader went to Manhattan to do some shopping and some business. When he came back to 770 from Mincha, the masker walks over to him and says, oh, you have a letter. A letter? Yeah, the Rebbe wrote you back. 
And he looks at the letter, and the Rebbe writes on the letter. A Jew was deprived for 20 years of putting on film. And now you're going to let him go another six weeks without film? How can you do that? How can you even think that? You see to it that this man has his film today. If you can't manage to ship it to him today, that he should get it so he can still put on today, so he put on the day before, obviously, then go back to Detroit yourself. Take it yourself, make sure he gets his film today to put it on. Rebbe just wrote to the Rebbe how excited he was to be home in time to Shabbos. The Rebbe writes, even if it means not getting home for Shabbos. And he saw that the Rebbe means business. He told the Rebbe how important the Shabbos is to him, and the Rebbe said, even if you miss it. <laughs> no. He ran on King's Navy to the Judaic stores in those days. Not like today where you have wholesale tulin stores. In those days there weren't so many. And he comes to the one one store had a parrot film. Baruch Hashem had a parrot film. That was the next next problem. He no longer had the cash on him. He had to give him a check, and the check was England English check. Go convince the guy to take an English check. The kids said the guy took the English check. Next problem. He now has to go to get it to Detroit. He calls up the guy who is by, his host, and he says, if I send it to you, desk to desk from the airline, can you get it to the baker today? Because if not, I have to come back and bring it myself. The guy says, yeah, I'll do it. So Kachave, he sent it desk to desk. Oh, the Rebbe, excuse me, most important thing. The Rebbe told him that if you make sure he has his film today, he'll never miss film. Because he'll see that you mean business. He'll see how important it is to you that the business that he puts on film every day, he'll make sure he never misses putting on it. So he arranged with the fellow that was in Detroit, he sent the desk to desk, he picked up the film in the airport, he ran to the baker, the baker put on that day, and that day forward. Six weeks later, he was in Detroit, he met, meets to the baker, and the baker thanks him profusely for the chillin. And the baker says to him, I gotta tell you the truth. I put on every day. There was one day I didn't put on in the morning. And I figured I have time in the afternoon. And I was driving home and the traffic was something horrific. And it was getting late. And I was, God forbid, gonna miss putting on my chillin. I drove on the sidewalk. I drove like a veritable madman. I got home in time to put on my tefillin and daven. I must tell you, what drove me to this? What made me do such a crazy thing, like drive like that, to make sure I put on my tefillin? 20 years I didn't put on, and now all of a sudden I'm scared to miss a day? Your dedication, your devotion, the way you made sure that I had tefillin, I said, I, if it's so important to you, it's got to be that important to me. So I made sure to catch this film to catch that day. Exactly the way that ever told it to the Reverator. 
by you making sure. And this is the way we have to approach each and every Jew. And what was Moshe? He was a shepherd. Now the question is, we started, I touched on it before, and we've spoken about this as well before. Moshe was three months old. Baby Moshe was put in this basket at three months old into the water. Parai's daughter pulls him out of the water and says in Egyptian, I pulled him out of water. And because I'm calling him Moshe. So he got an Egyptian name from Baspari. And he kept it. So my first question is, what was his name before? His parents had to give him a name. They gave him a bris. And the other question, or he was born mole actually, and they gave him a, they still had to give him a name. And they called him something for three months. They didn't call him Moshe because he, she just gave him that name. And secondly, why, and secondly, why did he keep that name? We see that by Yosef. We spoke last week. The glory of Yosef is he didn't keep the name Safnas Paneach. He called himself Yosef. So then, why over here, all of a sudden, does he call himself Moshe? Moshe Haya Roya. The name Moshe was a shepherd. He was called Moshe Rabbeinu. Not Rabbeinu Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe was our teacher. Moshe was our shepherd. Moshe wanted the name to remain because he had Hakarat Hatov, recognition of good for what Basia Baspare did for him. Because she saved him. And he never wanted to forget that. So how does he continue to remember it? By carrying the name. Every time someone said Moshe, he remembered Basia. He remembered Parai's daughter saved his life. And never wanted to forget. And also wants everyone to learn that lesson. That when someone does us a favor, does good for us, not forget we shouldn't forget, and that's why we say in Yiddish the expression, I don't, I don't know why you hate me so much, I never did any favors to you. Um, but that's only in Yiddish. You know, that's the Yiddish expression, they always have to have something negative. Always a negative twist. The Shmei Sirabba, the Medrash tells us on the Pasuk, Meishele Bachanu HaKadosh Baruch Why was Meisha a shepherd? Because Meisha was only one that was always involved with sheep. Amr Rabbi Seinu, our masters teach us. Rabbeinu was shepherding the sheep of Yisrael, his father-in-law in the desert. That's how it goes. Google it, you'll see if that works. Barach Gidi Barach Menagdi a little tigal ran away from him. Famous Medrash. 
He chased him and chased him and chased him until he came to a point. And when they came over there, he saw the end water, a bed of water. And the little Gdi stood up and drank from the water. He was thirsty in Ebuch. As Moshe Rabbeinu approached him and he saw, came in Shigia Moshe Etzle Omar, he said, I did not know you were running out of because of thirst. Oyev Ata, my poor seagull, you must be so tired now. Herkivu al he put him onto his shoulders. Vayemahalech, and he took him. He took him back to the rest of the sheep. Omar Akodesh Baruch the Almighty saw this deed and he said, Yesh lechor rachamim lineg tzeinei shabosar v'adam. If you have such compassion, to look after the sheep of a human being. In my life, I swear, says God, you will look after my sheep, the Jewish nation. This is again the same lesson, the same vein. As it's brought down in Esther Rabbah, the Medish and Megillah Esther, that the Rachmim, the compassion of the Almighty, began to awaken. What is this voice that I hear like sheep? Almighty stood up before the Almighty and said, The one little children of your nation. So the Gideon, little sheep, referred to the little Jews, the Jewish the children, the Tanekha Shabbis Rabban. And this is therefore a lesson to us. As Meshe Rabbeinu was the Reya of Yisrael, the shepherd of the Jewish nation, and didn't even neglect the smallest little sheep, and did all that he could for each and every sheep, it is an obligation to each and every one of us. And everyone that hears this, and anyone that you can give this over to, to help and to teach and to educate today's generations, to the children, to the Tzayn Kachim, and anyone that hears this and anyone this reaches out to, out to, now is December, and obviously in December, people have their end of year donations. So any end of year donations they'd like to send into Yeshiva. Please feel free to send them in or to any local yeshiva that you have in your area. Moshe is a true shepherd. Moshe is looking after the Jews before he got the job. And Moshe sees an Egyptian hitting a Jew. And by pronouncing one of the names of God, the Egyptian is consumed in the ground. Then suddenly, Moshe sees a Jew lift a hand to a fellow Jew. The next day he sees this and he says, He did not hit him. He raised his hand to him. 
But he already called him a Russia. He called him wicked. For raising a hand to a fellow Jew. And the fellow turns to him and says, What will you do? Kill me like you did the Egyptian? Vayira Mesha. Mesha was frightened. And he said, Has this secret gotten out? Rashi tells us, Mesha was not scared for his life. Mesha was worried, oh no. If a Jew talks about another Jew, even if it's him, such a way, perhaps, they are not befitting to be redeemed. This is mind-boggling. In the Midrashim and Chazal, tell us, that in Golis Mitzrayim there were Jews that sinned. There were Jews that even served idols. But still in all, the Jews were redeemed from Egypt. All of them. So if the sin of Avedizara did not hold back a Jew, Lashon Hara is going to hold it back? But the truth of the matter is, even though the Jews sin, they are worthy of redemption. And the reason is that the sin of Lashon Hara holds back because this is a sin that does not allow the concept of Geula to come at the surface. When the Almighty took the Jewish nation out of Egypt, The Almighty chose the Jewish nation. And through this the Jews were made into a cheftzah. They were made into an actual existence of a nation. As later, Moshe cites in Veschanan, took a nation from a nation. Until that point, Everyone was one. And they were just like all the other nations that were until the point of in re- redemption. Since Lashon Hara causes Pirud Halavavos, separation of hearts, and there's no unity between Jews, they no longer become the entity of Am. And therefore the Almighty cannot choose us of another nation. Only when there is unity amongst the Jews is the Geula, is redemption possible. And therefore Moshe had this doubt. He said, Rabbi Shalom, what's going to be here? They're destroying the entity. And when you have today people that speak simple Lashon Hara for no benefit whatsoever of their own, and they speak Lashon Hara about a fellow Jew, they are causing Pirud Levavois. They are causing a break amongst the nation. 
And Rachman and Islam, they are holding back the Geula. And Lashon Hara doesn't mean only ones that talk it, ones that hear it, ones that read it, are also culpable. So we need to see to it that we keep the unity of the Jewish nation at a level and an extent that we don't listen or hear any evil, anything wrong, any bad about any given fellow Jew. Meisha is traveling. Meisha took his wife and his son and he put them on Ha Chamur. The donkey. Not a donkey. The donkey. Rashi says to us. <coughs> the donkey. A special donkey. This is the donkey that Avram Avinu used for Akedah Yitzchak. And this is also the donkey that in the future Melech HaMashiach will redeem us. Rashi tells us. Rashi's intention here to explain specifically what this donkey was all about. But if that's the case, that it's a famous donkey, it's enough to tell us that the the donkey has a fame that ultimately Mashiach is going to come on it. And therefore, Moshe is taking it now, he's redeeming the Jews from Egypt, and Mashiach will take us out of Golos. Beautiful. It's a redemption donkey. So why does Rashi have to also tell us that it's the same donkey that Avram Avinu used for the Akedah? What does that have to do with Geula? Simple speaking. <laughs> when it comes to the bare knuckle facts between Moshe and conversations with Moshe and the Abishta. Moshe, the Almighty commands Moshe, Lechovesh lechacha el parei ve'itzia es ami v'reinsol mitzrayim. Sending you down, go get the Jews out of Egypt. But Moshe hesitates. Rashi says, Shlehayer reitzel little g'dayim g'dula al aron achiv shayegod leiman of anavi. He didn't want to take the glory away from his older brother, who was a prophet in his own right, Aaron. And again, continuing, that this will happen with the donkey. The donkey that Avram took for the Akedah. What was Avram, What was the Almighty telling of Moshe Rabbeinu? When it came to the donkey, learn from the donkey. Learn from the entity that this donkey was created for. To stress to Moshe that Avram Avinu did this without any questions. He saddled the donkey himself and he got up early in the morning and he did it without any cheshbenis, no calculations. The Almighty told me to take my son and to bring him as a sacrifice. I'm going. And the same with you, Moshe. Avram had a tremendous sacrifice to go and have to bring his child as a sacrifice. But Avram did not hesitate, did not ask any questions. 
so much more so you, Moshe. Get up and do like Avram Avinu did. Let us get a little more spiritual. Let us get a little more in depth with our little donkey here. Before that, I just want to take a commercial break and discuss a vart from Reblevik, the Rebbe's father, who was a very, very great Kabbalist. Reblevik says that they came and ish that they came to tell Yisrael's daughters told their father that a ish mitzri. They're referring to Moshe Rabbeinu as Ish Mitzri came and saved us. The word Mitzri is spelled Mem Tzadik Reish Yud. The first two letters Mem and Tzadik. Mem is 40, Tzadik is 90, 130. It refers to the 130 years that the Jews were already in Egypt. The second words, second letters, Reish and Yura 210, which is the total amount of years the Jews would be in Egypt. Mitzri, this Ish, this person saved us, is going to save the Jewish nation from the exile of Egypt. Kadaik is behind Anyana Timtsa Davarpela. This concept of the Khmer returning back to the donkey is a shocking story. The donkey, no, not yet. The donkey enters into three different seasons, three different missions, as we said. However, there's a difference in the service that the donkey does. With Mashiach, Mashiach himself will ride the donkey. With Moshe, he puts his wife and his children on the donkey. With Avram Avinu, he only puts the wood on the donkey. This is therefore what the Mepharshim explain. The word Chamer comes from the Loshan, from the word of Chamer, coarseness. The coarseness of the body, the coarseness of the world. Rechev al Khamer, who can ride on this donkey? Although the actual coarseness of the world is so low. But within the coarseness, the lower the coarseness, the higher its roots. As we spoke last week about Esav and his head. We can therefore take out exactly how this works, the sequence. The Khamer, in the simple way, that has the strength to lift up a person and to bring him to the furthest of places. But there are different levels. By Mashiach, will be redeemed, will be revealed the full extent of how high the lowliness brings us. And therefore we'll see the greatness with this chamer, this coarseness, 
will lift up Mashiach himself and Mashiach will ride himself on the donkey. <laughs> By Moshe, there were still things that needed to be elevated and purified. So although it carried people, but not carried the actual Redeemer himself, it carried his children and his wife. Even more so by Avram Avinu, where the world was a kura barzel, a melting pot of boundaries, and the world was so physical and so mundane. Therefore, through the Chumrius, of using it only for side things, for his wood and for his knife, etc., and not himself, and not even one of his people or his son. And this we see how the Alter Rebbe explains that in the days of Avram, the Chumri Yisraelim was not yet purified and elevated. It all took place by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, going out of Mitzrayim, which was a Kura Barzal, a melting pot. That through this the Jews purified and became elevated by doing the work with the Chemer and the Levenim. So now once the Jews elevated these sparks and elevated these levels of Chumri Yisraelam, the Jews were now able to ultimately be carried and which Mashiach will take us speedily out of this Golis. We see that Shevet Levi was not sub- subjugated to the service in the servitude that Amban explains. There's a custom always in a na- Jewish nation that Chachamim made it the elders of a nation. Pari appointed Shevet Levi to be those elders. And according to this we find when Pari says, Go do your things, to your work, to your job. Everyone had to do theirs. And it's best that the Shevet Levi themselves sat and learned Taylor. Sit and learn, but don't bother anybody else. Don't try to bring anybody else, elevate them or work them, like take, take them out. This was Mitzpare's intention. And he was against Mesha and Aaron who did not listen to him. But they kept going and they kept giving strength to the Jews and they kept working on taking the Jews out of Egypt. And we know that if Chas Shalom would have been one more minute in Egypt, we'd still be there. This is the lesson that we have. A person could think, eh, why does it bother me there's a Jew that doesn't put on film? Why does it bother me there's a Jew that doesn't serve God? He serves Pare Harasha. He doesn't keep Taylor Mitzvah, Sahmanah Salti. I saved myself. I'm good. My family, I have it. My roof, my umbrella. I sit in their Taylor. Why do I have to reach out to any other Jews? Why do I have to entice them? Why do I have to educate them? Why do I have to give them the taste of Torah Mitzvah? This is exactly what Pare wanted. 
But Melech Malchem, Melech Malchem, Baruch Hu told Meshe and Aaron, this is what you better not listen to. You have to do everything in your potential, everything that you can, to reach out, to make sure that other Jews come to Shirim, make sure that women make sure women come, and men make sure men come, and that Shirim are given, Shirim Teda, and that there should be Teda amongst Jews, and thereby everyone involved, so that when Mashiach comes, everyone can say, I had a part in this. Not because it's Nafshi Yitzalti, because I did my own thing for me, but I made sure to help others as well, to bring and to come together. And the Achtas of Bnei Yisrael will be ultimately be the Am Yisrael Chai, will bring the life and the, of Judaism throughout, and through this we will all merit to go hand in hand with Mashiach, and the Almighty will take the, each and every one of us by our hands today out of the Yitzrayim and will be Zeicha to the Geulas Melech HaMashiach this Shabbos Shabbat Shalom to all. <laughs>